Hey everyone, Matt Johnson here. Before we get into the latest episode, I want to mention the Certified Listing Agent course from Pat Hyben's Rebus University. Our own Jeff Cohn is one of the featured agents in the course. Jeff and seven other top agents sat down with Pat and went through their entire listing presentation start to finish and gave all their best tips and tactics. These are the guys closing 85% or more of their listing appointments. So if you're looking to up your game or you just want extremely high quality training material for your team, check out the Certified Listing Agent course at rebusuniversity.com. Just use Jeff Jeff's last name, Cone, C-O-H-N, at checkout to get a hundred bucks off. Thanks so much and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market, featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest team building podcast. Hey everybody, it's Matt Johnson here. We are back with another episode of the Team Building Podcast. We are back with Jeff Cohn. We've got an amazing guest today. We're going to go super deep on leverage and running a, a team within a brokerage and all that good stuff and, and, and especially getting into how you can help other people leverage you and how you can get better at leveraging yourself out of the parts of the business that don't make sense to you as well as just how to run a, a high level team leading by example. So regardless of whether your business is a team within a brokerage, someone else's brokerage, brokerage, regardless of whether, uh, like Eric Pearson, who we recently interviewed, uh, you're running a brokerage and then you have your old team still running within that that you've turned over to somebody else. I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios that play out, but uh, like uh, our special guests will point out, it's all a business and you run it like a business. So we're going to get deep, deep into that. So first of all, Jeff Cohn. Jeff, what's up? Hey, what's going? what's going on, Matt and Greg? Hey, I'm super excited today about this podcast. Greg probably doesn't know this, but he was my secret hero for years. <laughs> I wanted to know who was crushing it across the country. And Greg Harrelson's name kept coming up. Greg Harrelson, Greg Harrelson. I'm like, who is this guy? And at the time, this is a couple of years back, he was doing over a thousand deals a year, always one of the top guys in the country. And a good friend of mine, Frank Klesitz, went to, who I went to college with, who's the owner of Viral Marketing, getviral.com. A little plug there for him. Um, he's also a friend of Greg's. And um, Frank was in Omaha one weekend. This is two or three years ago. And he's like, hey, you know, I'm buddies with Craig Harrelson. You got to see how he's running his office. And he popped up his iPhone and showed me this video. And essentially, it was like a call center buzzing at 7 a.m. in the morning, everybody hitting the phones. And I'm like, man, I got to meet this guy. So last uh, January, just a couple months back, six months ago, um, I'm at an event for Go Abundance. And lo and behold, Greg Harrelson is there. And we got to spend a ton of time together. We're now on a call every month masterminding for 30 minutes. And Greg, I can't tell you how happy I am to have you on our show today and how much I've already learned from you. And I will continue to learn from you. Thank you for being here. Man, I, I appreciate you saying that. And that's a, that's, you said a lot. And I really, really appreciate that. And, and, and I think you probably know I've got a mutual respect for all the things that you've done. And, and, and uh, you and I think alike and we think different. And that's one of the, the, the things that I'm really having uh, a lot of fun with in masterminding with you. Because you and I have no problem debating, arguing, and then ending the call with like knowing we both got something out of it. So yeah. Pretty cool. I, I, and maybe that'll happen today too. Who knows? I hope it does. <laughs> awesome, Jeff will be throwing his monster against the wall. and kicking now, I'm in a, now I'm doing a green tea. Oh, All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. 
So All let's. Right. Uh, so, well, Jeff, where where do you want to start? You want to start with uh, maybe covering the uh, Greg. Help us clarify, like exactly what your business looks like, how you how the team fits into the brokerage, and just clarify that for everyone so they understand where you're coming from. You know, and my biggest thing, uh, Matt and Greg, would be for Greg to share his path because there's a lot of agents out there that are in a similar place where I am. You know, maybe you have a team of ten or twenty or fifty. And you're kind of deciding, hey, should I go open a brokerage? You know, we talked about this with our last guest a couple of weeks ago, Matt. Do you open up another a brokerage and then do you lose your team identity? And one of the things that I've noticed Greg's done a really good job at is he started a brokerage, but he didn't change the way he ran his team. He just changed the name, but it's still a team. So Greg, maybe talk to us about when you were an individual agent working under an act, someone else's brokerage and how you transition, transition into owning your own brokerage, but not losing that team leader identity. Okay, great. Yeah, you know, it's a great a great place to start, I think. Um, so about 24 years ago, I got into real estate, but I got into real estate. My dad was a real estate agent with Remax, doing maybe 40 transactions a year. I was uh, a loser college guy, right? I was doing, doing nothing in college except attending the things that uh, – that I probably didn't need to be attending. So I, uh, I went into work with, I went to work with my dad as a part-time telemarketer. And I went into the office at eight in the morning, called for two hours, set up leads for him or appointments for him. I went to school and then I came back in the evening and I made more calls. So I did that for probably about six months, figured out that, hey, maybe this is an opportunity for me to, you know, get serious about something. I ended up quitting school, going to work full time for my dad, continuing to prospect. So for the first year of my um, of, of my real estate career, all I really was was a kind of like a telemarketer. I was a cold caller. I eventually worked my way into expireds and, and FISBOs and RENTBOs and, you know, all the various things that, you know, that, that you can call. And, um, and I noticed that my dad was doing very well. Like he goes from 40 deals to 60 deals and 90 deals. And next thing you know, him and I are kind of like a team and my mom is the assistant. And, and then we start doing 120 deals and, you know, things just started progressing. And then it dawned on me, it's like, man, there's a tremendous opportunity here. Now for, for those people that maybe are a little bit contact challenge, um, you know, one of the advantages that I would say that I have over most people um, when it comes to entering into business is because I was prospecting from 8 to 10 and in the evening, those are the hours that you never find real estate agents in their office, okay? So the, the significance of this is I was never exposed to what the real estate industry actually really looked like. I, I, from a naive perspective, I actually assumed that, you know, no one was in the office at 10 because they were going to be prospecting during the day. And I was just doing it in the morning because that's what my schedule demanded. I was kind of like real dumb and oblivious to the fact of like, it was normal. So for my first year, what was normal to me was three to four hours of prospecting every day. Okay. Now with that, now I have, now we have lead flow. Okay. Because we've got it. We've got listing lead flow. And, and so my dad and I said, Hey, look, let's add a, a you know, a, a, a listing partner, a listing agent to help with all of the excessive leads. Now, what I did is I started prospecting and that person started prospecting right next to me. And then all of a sudden now we start generating that many more listings. And now we're getting instead of the hundred deal, now we're in 200, 300 deals in that type of range. Right. Um, eventually it comes out to around the end of 2004, closed 484 transactions. And it was at that time that I said, you know what, 
setting a goal to do more deals was no longer anything that inspired me. I, I, I sometimes I say I was bored, but I don't think I was bored. I think I was just looking for something bigger and it wasn't inspiring. So at that point, it was my dad and I, I think my mom, she, my mom used to quit once a month because my dad and I would do something stupid and she <laughs> would quit. So I assume she was still with us at that time. But uh, for the most part, we had a few assistants and a, a buyer's agent and a, and a listing agent. Well, when I decided at that point, I was no longer going to be a team. I was kind of running the team and my dad was a negotiator and doing reductions. Well, I said, I'm going to open up a company and I'm going to take my listing agent and he's just going to be an agent for my company. I'm going to take my buyer's agent and my buyer's agent, she's going to be an agent for my company. I took my, my, my primary assistant and she became the broker and lead closing coordinator. I took another assistant and she became the listing coordinator, which basically was the positions that I had on my team. But instead of calling it like a team, I actually kind of allowed everyone to now take a position. My assistants took a company position, but still did the exact same activities. My buyer's agent was still a buyer's agent, did the same exact activities. They showed up at eight, prospected, followed up, did what they did. Every, nothing changed. You would have walked in our office and seen nothing change. So now that was the transition from Greg Harrelson is like kind of a running a team to now Greg Harrelson's running a brokerage. And I said earlier to you guys, people are always confused with me. Is Greg a team? Is Greg a brokerage? Well, you know, I got, I got my haters out there that say, well, Greg's really not a team, but he's calling, he's saying he's doing 2000 transactions. You call it what you want to call it. We all are running a business. The yep. team and the brokerage conversation is just ego-based, somebody wanting to be right and somebody wanting to make someone else wrong. What we are is we're business people running businesses. So if you came to my office today, what you would see is you would see uh, 40 people in the office at you know 7.45 in the morning on the phones at 8 o'clock in the morning. It would look the exact same way today as it did when I was technically a team, quote unquote. Nothing changed. I'm the leader. I come in and I think, and I, and I think I'm, I'm the forward thinking who thinker who's telling these guys, Hey, this is where the opportunity is. I'm setting up all the systems. I'm creating lead channels. We're distributing, routing those leads to these agents and they're out there working in the streets, closing them down and coming back the next day, taking more leads and going from there. So I'm, I, I'm still funneling leads to them as well as I'm their coach, teaching them how to prospect you know, for three hours a day, just like we did when I was the, 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 the mega team or whatever sure. it may call. So, so for, the, for those, that's, that's for those listening, why did you transition from the team to the brokerage? And I know it's ran the same way, but obviously legally it's different. You own a brokerage. Now you have the responsibility and jurisdiction over all these agents. Whereas before you could have put that jurisdiction and responsibility on somebody else's shoulders. So profitability had to have been one of the reasons, but my guess for you was control. But why don't you answer the question? Yeah, well, so, so, and I think the question is, is um, why did I make the transition? Yep. Yeah, so what, what I did is, is I, my, my passion is in developing talent, okay? And one of the goals that I have is, 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 is I want to create 30 millionaires. 
And, and I think when, when in order to create millionaires, I think I need to, you know, help other individuals develop and, and grow into whatever they want to grow into and not necessarily grow into what Greg wants them to grow into. So it's like it, it wasn't necessarily, oh, great, this is the most profitable way, even though I think it was the most profitable way. That wasn't really the, the underlying motivation. The motivation was, you know, I enjoy waking up and, 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 um, and developing talent and watching other people cross the finish line before me. I, I actually enjoy seeing other people win probably more than I enjoy winning myself. Now, anybody that knows me knows I don't like to lose, but, but what I really am passionate about is knowing that I played a role in somebody else, in, uh, else winning. Why did you have to become a broker to do that? You could have done that as a team leader. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that I think people enjoy is I think people enjoy having their own identity versus having my identity. And, 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 and I think with the teams, you know, or under the team model, it's typically one person's identity and everyone else is a staff member and assistant. And, and, and I think that that works really well. And those that call themselves teams may not like that I say this, but I think that works really, really, really well in a good market. We will see what happens when the market shifts. Because I think then all of a sudden the team leader becomes a little bit desperate and they start focusing on their profitability and they lose sense of all the other team members. But since the team members are living with the identity of the leader, if the leader starts ignoring them, then they don't have an identity and we see what we will see what happens. I've been a few of through a few shifts and I've seen that. So I think it's I personally believed it was the better model for me to be able to build out and help develop individuals versus a team. Now, the other play on that is I do believe if I choose to sell my, my company, that I will be able to sell my company at a higher multiple than a team will be able to sell their, their company. So not only am I working today for, for, you know, for income, what I'm really doing is I'm looking to build wealth. And one of my biggest assets that, you know, that contributes to wealth is my real estate companies. Yep. So for those listening right now, it doesn't sound too painful that transition you made from team lead to broker owner because you just simply put all the same positions in the broker positions rather than changing your entire you know setup. It seems pretty simple. What would you say? The only thing I did, Jeff, the only thing I did is stop putting their listings in my name. That was it. So what brokerage did you end up opening? Did you go with a franchise or your own? I went with Century 21. Okay. So it's Century 21, the Heraldson Group. And is yep. that where your team was before at Century 21 or were you at a different brokerage? I, my, when my, I started for the first couple of years with, with Remax and then we purchased the Century 21 franchise. Okay. So there were a few pain points there for you because you had to convince your agents that staying with you was most profitable for, and advantageous to them. You changed brands from Remax to Century 21. I'm assuming you didn't lose very many people, if any people. No, because I, and I was pretty small at that time. You know okay. I mean? Yeah, that, I mean, that was maybe, it was maybe four of us, you know, okay. at, at that point. So there was no, no, probably so zero lossage. For those listening, for year one, did you feel like you took a hit on your net income? Uh, Launching a brokerage year one at Century? Uh, yeah, I probably, yeah, I probably did take a hit on my net income. I, you know, that's been so, you know, it's, that was 1999. I can't remember what it was, but you, you know, don't remember yeah. your 99 tax return. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I can't imagine that I didn't take a hit. You know I mean? I think we all as business people know two steps forward, one step backwards. And that was probably a small little step backwards, but the, uh, the upside potential was just in my, in my mind was way yeah. out. 
the risk. Yeah, that was yeah. going to be my next question was that looking at the upside, did you anticipate going into that transition and just planning on there being an income drop? It's so I, I don't know if it materialized, but did you expect that going into that transition? No, I, I would say I probably never thought that I was going to drop in, in, in income. And, and I know that I've, I never dropped in number of transactions. And I say if I did drop in profitability, to answer Jeff's uh, question, is probably because of the, um, the investment in infrastructure and the fact that I had you know, additional liabilities that I may not have had when I was working under somebody else's uh, brokerage. It wasn't, wasn't top-line revenue that dropped. It was actually expenses increased. And, and so there was a slight adjustment there. Yep. And so. making the decision to expand and become a broker and do a private brokerage or go with a franchise, what are some pros and cons? You know, just briefly take maybe two minutes on pros and cons of going with a franchise rather just starting Greg Harrelson Real Estate. Yeah. So, uh, and I do get that question a good bit. So I've been around brands all my life, you know, with, or in the real estate life, Remax or Century 21. So I'm a little bit biased about brands. I think that there's a lot that we can leverage in uh, from the, the, the sense of national recognition. Um, probably what maybe influenced me most though, is that in my real estate, in my local market in Myrtle Beach, there's a condo market, an investment market. So there's a lot of absentee owners. About half of my uh, market is absentee owners and about the half is primary residences. So what I did is I was thinking, gosh, you got all these people mm -hmm. up in the Northeast that own properties in that area that it was, I, I would, with Century 21, I'd never have to explain, you know, who the company is, how long it's been in existence. It just was a non-issue versus being, you know, ABC Realty. So that yep. probably influenced it the most. Okay. That totally makes sense. Awesome. What are some advantages of working with a franchise? What have been some things that have benefited you directly in terms of maybe the marketing materials or referral network or leadership from Century 21? I would say, you know, so I would say a few things. Referral network is fantastic, but there's a lot of strength. If, if, if you look and you say collectively, all Century 21s in the market. Now, this could be Remax, could be Keller Williams, yeah. Keller Banker, who knows what it is. Um, but if you look collectively and you look at all the transactions that are be, being done by each national brand and you compare that to each independent, you'll see that the national brands typically are way outselling any independent. Now, if you, if you listen to me carefully, you would say, I just said all Century 21s versus one independent which I did say that, but if you are one independent and you got to compete against all Century 21s, our numbers are going to rock. There's yep. no question about it. Again, that could be any franchise in any market. Usually the numbers are going to indicate that. So yep. if you're a data guy and you like to use data as a selling proposition, that's a data point that's going to be very compelling. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more Greg about the culture that you've created I think that's one of the things that struck me the most when we've talked about you know your expectations for agents that work within your office and um, their activities you talked a little bit before about how your download if you will your first year in the business was making calls for your dad and you know essentially running the telemarketing wing or internal sales agent wing of his business four hours a day you know I, I look at my own market here in Omaha I don't personally know an agent that prospects for four hours a day in Omaha Nebraska so I guess first off, why were you that way? Why did you think that that was the expectation getting into real estate? And how have you continued that over, you said, last, what, 25 years that you've been in the business? So um, 
early on, well, first of all, remember, I came in as a telemarketer for my dad, okay? So he told me, this is what you got to do, son. I said, okay, dad, I'll do it, right? I did that for a year. A habit was formed. I then met Mike Ferry, and okay. I got inv extremely involved, and still today, I'm still involved with the Mike Ferry organization. So I ended up kind of falling into the, the Mike Ferry program, and which we all know that that follow, you know, any coaches, we know that he's very prospecting based and, yep. and definitely says three to four hours of prospecting every day. So it fit my personality. And so because I got into the, uh, the, the business and I started by making calls and I'm making call for multiple hours, about an hour uh, or about a year after I got into the business, I met Mike Ferry. And when I got involved with the Mike Ferry organization, what was interesting is he was all prospecting based. So I was kind of brought in and told that I needed a prospect. And then all of a sudden, I find myself with the Mike Fair organization and that's all they were preaching. You got to, you know, make calls and prospect right. and centers of influence. So, and I'm still involved today with Mike Ferry. So my entire career has been in, uh, you know, has been kind of in an environment where prospecting is the normal, you know? So to me, prospecting is normal. And, and, and so when it comes to, you know, expectations, I mean, we know, that when you're when you're leading real estate agents, I mean, agents technically are independent, uh, you know, um, contractors, and they can do what they want. But when I hire people, or when I when I recruit people into the company, you know, what I what I'm really looking for is I'm looking for three things. I I love disk analysis analysis and whatnot, but I really don't high, uh, uh, rely too much on that stuff. What I'm looking for is three things. I'm looking for you know, is this person does this person have a desire to succeed? I, I mean, I want somebody that like wants to win, you know, that has a desire to succeed. Like when they play Monopoly with their friends, they're probably going to get in an argument. Right. right? <laughs> but, but they can still like leave and not be mad, but they're going to be like pissed off at some point that right. the trade didn't go the way that they wanted to or they didn't get their $200 or whatever. Okay. Everyone was ganging up on them, I'm sure, inevitably. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm looking for somebody that has a desire to succeed. It's just there, right? Then the second thing I'm looking for is somebody that will commit to structure. I believe that everything can be systematized. And I think that if we, run, if we work systems and we optimize systems, we work those optimized systems, then we're going to be very effective at whatever we do. So I'm looking for somebody who will follow structure. And then the third thing that I'm looking for is somebody who's coachable. So if they have a desire, if they'll follow the system and they're coachable, I want them. Okay, so that's very important that I bring people into our culture that already have those things. Now, people ask, well, how do you know if they have them? You know, I just talk to them and I ask them questions, you know, and, and then I just kind of have a, you, you just kind of get a sense for where they stand. You know, can you tell me a time where you've ever actually had a coach or a mentor? And, you know, th questions like that and just bring that stuff out. So sure. I'm, I'm being very selective at who I allow to enter into our environment. And then when I do bring them in, I actually show them what everyone does. So, you know, I don't hire somebody or I don't recruit somebody in an office. I may talk to them in an office at some point. But then I eventually will take them, show them what everyone else is doing. I'll show them at 8 o'clock, look at how these people are making calls. And at that point, they'll sit there and shadow the company for a, a couple days. 
And then after a couple days, they can tell me whether or not we are the right fit for them. So I'm actually not looking to interview people to come to my company. I'm looking for opportunities for people to interview me to determine if I'm the right leader for them. So I'm flipping the script. I'm not recruiting people. I'm, I'm not interviewing people. I'm looking for people to interview me. And if I pass the test and they come to work here, then that means that they're accepting everything about our environment and everything about our culture. So we have high retention and, and, and our people stay for a very long time. They're choosing to be here. I'm not choosing them. That's awesome. How do you get the message out to agents in your area um, about Greg Harrelson and what it's like in your environment? Because obviously I've seen that video. I'm, I'm going to soon come and visit in person, but sure. it's an awesome environment. I think of Boiler Room or Wolf yeah. on Wall Street, and sure. you guys just are hitting it, you know, men, yeah. men and women on the phones crushing it. How do you show everybody that? I mean, are you, is there a video out there that people can see? Is there online training? How are you getting that message out? You know, the, I think the message is getting out um, because of the uh, per-agent production that's in my office. I mean, our per-agent production is, is very high compared to, you know, as, and you have high PPP also, so I know yeah. you understand this. Um, it's very high, not only just in our market, amongst the whole country. It's probably amongst the highest, you know, that, yeah. are, that are out there. So I, I think the results speak for themselves. And, and, and I have so many cases where, you know, I've got a, a, a guy that's been in the business. I think he's, uh, today's the ninth month. So he just started in January, just licensed in December. And he's already taken uh, 45 to 50 listings <laughs> and made 30 sales. And this is new licensee. Awesome. He's a product of the environment. So there's so many there's so many validated stories out there that that kind of spreads virally and the word is on the street that if you really are wanting to get in this business and you want to learn a systematic approach and generate lots of uh, income and build wealth for yourself that I'm the go-to person. Sure. And from a cultural standpoint, I make investments in my people because my passion is developing talent. So if you've got the motivation, I've got the drive to develop it. Awesome. So one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of the people that we've had on our show is they always have books on the bookshelf and most of them have actually read those books. Uh, they don't do much if they just sit there and collect dust. And I think a great sign of a true leader is someone that's always willing to grow and learn and recognize that they're never at a place of complacency, um, the know-it-all mentality is not going to go very far. And I love the Jim Rohn quote that our ability essentially to achieve success always comes back to our ability to teach ourselves and recognize that we always need to learn and grow more. So one of the things that's really struck me with Greg and a lot of the other team leaders and brokers across the country is that not only do they read, they listen to podcasts, but they also mastermind. And they mastermind either in a Google Hangout setting like this, or they'll actually physically go to places every quarter or every month. Uh, a lot of times, different franchises have different events that they put on or Boomtown Unite, you know, different CRMs have events they put on. Even I know Frank Klezis with Get Viral has events he puts on. And for me, it's been really, really advantageous to find guys that are maybe two or three or five years ahead of where I am, where I want to go and see if I can get on a monthly rotating call every 30, you know, for 30 minutes every month. And I've been able to get a lot back from that. And, you know, there's a quote out there. I think I read it in Gary Keller's book, The One Thing That Says the Difference Between You and Me are the books that you read and the people you meet. And I'd add on to that the podcast that you listen to, obviously with our podcast interviewing top level guys from across the country.
Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wish we could have finished out and got a little bit more detail on just what Greg does on a regular basis to stay sharp. I know he does masterminds and, and different things like that and interviews and, and hangs out with, uh, with top level people. I mean, Greg's, Greg himself even has an insight into Facebook and, uh, and does a lot of masterminding with people that are in the online marketing field to stay sharp on the database mm-hmm. automation and all the, the next generation of, marketing things that are coming down the pipe so he can develop those things for his agents and stuff like that. So uh, unfortunately, he had awesome. to, uh, to hop off. There were some technical difficulties that prevented him from uh, from wrapping up the show with us. But yeah, so we just wanted to, uh, I want to real quick, just let people know how to take a step towards Greg and connect with him. So if you check out uh, C21, that is the site. Uh, so Greg is in Myrtle Beach. So if you have, like you said, it's a um, there's a pretty good mix of secondary and investment homes. So there's a lot of potential for referrals to come to him. So keep an eye out if you have uh, clients that are moving to Myrtle Beach or somebody that's looking for an investment property where Myrtle Beach might be an ideal location for them. Make sure to send any referrals Greg's way and over to his team. Uh, and then he also runs uh, something called the Harrelson Hangout. Uh, he's been doing a little bit of that with uh, with Frank over at Viremark and who we briefly mentioned. Uh, so he's done some hangouts. You can find those on YouTube. And uh, so that those are the best ways to kind of take a step towards Greg and, and connect with him. Say and that then, website uh, again. You glitched out for a second, was, Matt. Yeah, C21 Greg Harrelson. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the, um, just real briefly, what's the, uh, the latest on the team building workshops? The workshops continue to gain momentum and we're continually bringing up our game to the next level. Uh, for $3,000, you can fly into Omaha and spend a whole Monday with us. Uh, the, the idea of the workshop is to download everything we've learned by running our top team over the last five years. So you actually get access to our Google Drive, which is like our Dropbox account, has all of our intellectual property in it. You don't only get access to that the day of the event, or pri- we can even give it to you prior to the event, but for life, as we continue to grow our database and add more content, we'll update you on a private Facebook page so you know what new content we've added to that drive. And so you're gonna not only have access to us for an entire day, we're gonna download our systems to you, you're gonna have access to our Google Drive, and you're gonna have access to a private Facebook page that only consists of other individuals that have come to our workshop. There's about over 100 people right now in that community. And so it's, it's a great time, it's a great networking event. We bring in a lot of high-level agents and brokers from across the country. And we have events um, through the end of the year, October, November, and December. There's dates online. Go out to EliteRealEstateSystems.com and click on Workshops, and you can see all the more, more information about that. We also can sell just the database, if you're interested in just the Google Drive, for $1,000. And that would give you $1,000 off on a future workshop if you decided six months down the road or two months down the road that you wanted to come to the team building workshop. Cool. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Team Building Podcast. I know we'll bring Greg back for uh, for round two to go deeper into some of the, the aspects of leverage that we didn't get a chance to really cover with him today because uh, we can go super deep on that stuff. And I know it's content that will be amazingly useful and helpful to anyone that's in a team leader, team owner, or broker position. Uh, and so we'll schedule that for uh, for a, like a month or two or four to six weeks out. And that way you get that content as well. So until the next time uh, that the, uh, the Team Building Podcast comes, out. We do a couple of different episodes every month, like the operations and the agent coaching episodes. But the ones here with Jeff are the super high level discussions that are meant for you, the team leader, team owner, broker, whatever the case is, to help take your business to the next level and really build a dominant real estate business in your market. Uh, And so keep an eye out for those two episodes where specific masterminds with Jeff and another high level guy or gal from around the country. So until the next one of those guys, 
Thank you so much for watching and listening. We appreciate it.